Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett darling, but I'm leaving you with your favorite friend, Roger. He's going to take very, very good care of you. Because if he doesn't, he's going back to the science lab. What the hell was wrong with that take? Nothing with you, baby Herman. You were great. You were perfect. You were better than perfect. Just Roger. He keeps blowing his lines. Roger. What's this? A tweeting bird? Tweeting bird? Roger, read the script. Look what it says. It says rabbit gets clunked. Rabbit sees stars. Not birds. Stars! Can we lose the playback, please? You're killing me. Killing me. But crying out loud, Roger. How the hell many times do we have to do this damn scene? Raul, I'll be in my trailer. Taking a nap! Excuse me, Please, Cuts. Raul! I can give you stars! Just drop the refrigerator in my head one more time! Roger, I dropped it on your head 23 times already! I can take it! Don't worry about me! I'm not worried about you! I'm worried about the refrigerator! This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit. And a down-and-out private detective... And stay out! ...named Eddie Valiant. Booga booga! Every moment they were together... Ah! There's a new adventure in trouble. Hi, me, Eddie. Please. It's a motion picture about friendship. Please, Eddie. Don't tell me you're making a big mistake. Love. <laughs> Compassion. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears. Murder. Marvin Acme. A rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. Tunes. Gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a tune! I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or you're just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We tunes may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Welcome, everyone, to Toontown Week here on Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and joining me again... Falcons. Wow, did that pick up? My voice cut out right as I said my name. I heard you. Did you hear that? I heard you. I am Kyra Hawkins, and I have been getting over being sick, but I'm hanging in there. We're doing our best. (laughs) Well, we are glad that you are here because I definitely, I 
could do this, but this movie is one that I love to talk about. This is actually one of the movies that Icky actually had a um, trivia night on back during the original days of COVID. We are talking about the 1988, June the 22nd, 1998 release. 1988 release <laughs> of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This movie did $351.5 million in box office revenue. Huge. Which is $912.3 million in today's box office. So, I mean, that's almost a billion dollars. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I I don't think I buried the lead because I mentioned it last in our last episode. I love this movie. This is one that I could sit down and watch four or five times in if I had the time, four or five times in like a week. And the world's youngest podcast host actually watched about four fifths of this movie with me. So he's I think already getting hooked in. But I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that there were cartoons mixed in with the live action. Mm-hmm. But, and like universally recognizable characters. Yes. So it so it wasn't a movie that you saw and you're like, oh, well, who's that? And who's that? And what's that? So I, I know that I've seen this movie at least three times since 2020. Counting a rewatch for this episode. And I probably watched it 10 or 11 times since it was released in 88. Did not see it in the theaters. Wish it would be released on a um, Phantom or whatever you want to call it. A retro cinema night. Because I would definitely go to see it. And I don't think that the fact that Christopher Lloyd is in it hurts it. No. He was a great villain. Yeah. Um... This was one that I watched a lot as a kid. I don't remember if we owned it on VHS or if it was just one that we would rent over and over. Um, my younger brother and I really liked it when we were kids. <laughs> um, he was like a year old when it came out. So we probably didn't get into it until several years later. Um, but I remember watching it a lot. And, um, yeah, I hadn't seen it in many, many years when I watched it for this episode. And um, I'm not going to lie, I had a hard time staying engaged with it when I rewatched it. But um, I don't think I, I don't know, I wouldn't say I disliked it. I just was not as engaged as I thought I was going to be for a movie that I grew up watching and like loved as a kid okay well we will get into why that was right and so the synopsis which comes to us care of wikipedia goes a little something like this in 1947 hollywood animated cartoon characters or tunes coexist with humans often employing their skills to entertain as film stars private detective eddie valiant's once a staunch, staunch ally of the tunes alongside his brother Teddy, has become a depressed alcoholic following Teddy's murder by an unknown tune five years earlier. Maroon Cartoon Studios head 
R.K. Maroon, concerned about the recent poor performance of his Toon Star Roger Rabbit, hires Eddie to investigate rumors that Roger's glamorous Toon wife is having an affair with Marvin Acme, owner of both the Acme Corporation and Toontown, the animated metropolis in which most Toons reside. After watching Jessica perform at the Ink and Paint Club, Eddie secretly photographs her and Acme playing patty cake. He shows the pictures to Roger, who becomes distraught and flees, refusing to believe that Jessica was unfaithful. The next morning, Acme is found murdered, and Toon Paint remnants at the scene implicate Roger. Eddie arrives at the scene and meets Judge Doom, a sinister human judge of Toontown. Having bribed the electorate to gain their votes and his five weasel minions, the Toon Patrol, Doom confirms his plans to execute Roger using the Dip, a chemical concoction capable of destroying the otherwise invulnerable Toons. Eddie later runs into Toons, Roger's Toon co-star, Baby Herman, who, success, who suggests that Acme's missing will, which supposedly bequeathed Bequeathed Toontown to the Toons may have been the killer's true motive. Eddie returns to his office and finds Roger waiting. Roger insists he had been framed, and Eddie reluctantly agrees to help after finding evidence of Acme's will, hiding Roger in a bar tended by his girlfriend Dolores. Jessica confronts Eddie in his office, revealing that Maroon threatened Roger's career unless she posed for the compromising photos. Meanwhile, Dolores' research uncovers that Cloverleaf Industries recently bought the city's Pacific Electric Railway Station and will purchase Toontown at midnight unless Acme's will is found. Doom and the Toon Patrol discover Roger, but he and Eddie escape with the help of Benny, a Toon taxi cab. While sheltering in the theater, Eddie sees a newsreel of Maroon selling his studio to Cloverleaf. Eddie goes to the studio to interrogate Maroon. Roger stands guard outside but is kidnapped by Jessica. Maroon be reveals that he did not heal Acme and only intended to blackmail him into selling his company so Maroon could sell the studio. Maroon is assassinated by an unknown assailant and Eddie spots Jessica fleeing the scene. Assuming that she is the culprit, he follows her into Toontown. Jessica saves Eddie from being killed by Doom, revealing that her actions were only ensuring Roger's safety and that it was Doom who actually killed Acme and Maroon. Jessica had given, Acme had given Jessica his will for safekeeping, but when she examined it, the paper was blank. Jessica and Eddie were captured by Doom and the Tomb Patrol and taken to Acme's factory. Doom reveals that he is a sole shareholder of Cloverleaf and plans to erase Toontown completely with a dip spraying machine so he can build a freeway on the land, decommission the railway station to force people to use it. When Roger unsuccessfully attempts to stay Jessica, the couple is tied onto a hook in front of the machine sprayer. Eddie distracts the weasels by performing a comedic vaudeville act full of pratfalls, causing several of them to die of laughter before he kicks their leader into the dip. Eddie finds Eddie fights Doom, who is flattened by a steamroller. However, Doom reveals that he is actually a toon and Teddy's murderer. Struggling against Doom's toon abilities, Eddie empties the dip 
supply onto Doom, melting him to death. The emptied machine crashes it through the wall into Toontown, where it is destroyed by a train. As dozens of tunes gather at the scene, Eddie reveals that Acme's will was written in temporarily invisible ink, confirming Toontown belongs to the tunes. Having regained his sense of humor, Eddie happily enters Toontown alongside Dolores, Roger, Jessica, and the tunes. The end. End. Okay. Well, we will get into why that was. Now... As I said, I've watched this movie at least three times in the last three years because I watched this prior to 2024. I haven't watched it any of this year, so I'm sorry. Um, for whatever reason, I don't think I ever remembered the actual intro of the movie being them shooting a cartoon, although it was just cheesy enough to hook me in because I'm one of those that grew up with um, Looney Tunes and Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner and Yosemite Sam and all those characters. And so this was kind of up that alley. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was an Acme, present, an Acme Corporation presentation didn't exactly hurt either. Um, but... We get Roger Rabbit literally thrown at us from like 15 seconds into the movie. Yeah, it. I, I feel like because we don't initially know like oh they're filming. Mm -hmm. It's just that we open with a cartoon sequence and um, it's near perfect, um, if not absolutely perfect, mm -hmm. for what it intends to be and and what it is I think this is probably what I liked the most as a kid um, yeah it, it fits right in with the real ones um, like Looney Tunes and and the like yeah and it is set in 1947 which I think was about the time that Looney Tunes actually started and if I'm wrong, please write in and tell me I am not a I am not the world's most foremost expert on Looney Tunes. I just know that I'd sit down, I'd watch them nonstop with the world's youngest podcast host if he would let me. But I mean, he's three and his attention span isn't quite where mine is. But um when the director finally yells cut and we zoom out and we find out that it is all being shot and they had to cut because I think they wanted stars over Roger's head instead of little birdies. Was that right? Yeah, he didn't want birdies. Yeah. And so we, we zoom out and we get introduced to our other protagonist, Eddie Valiant. Played by the great, um, now my mind's gone blank. Hopkins? No. What? Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. That was close. I had three of the letters, right? Bob Hoskins is playing Eddie Valiant, who is a washed-up private eye who doesn't like working with tunes because, spoiler alert, one of the tunes actually shot his brother, who was his partner. And so he reluctantly takes the job to find blackmail pictures of Roger Rabbit's wife 
and he takes it for a hundred dollars which i mean probably because he had some tabs that he had to cover and that would have taken care of it yeah he like thinks he's taking on this case and it turns into something so much bigger yeah and so we go to the president of the company and we find out right then and there why this is a disney film because we get dumbo flying up and actually sucking peanuts out of the president's hand Mm -hmm. and then he says i got all the actors from fantasia for was it half price or scale or something like that um i thought he said on like they're on loan from disney or something i don't remember exactly but um yeah that's a fun little almost throwaway line but then a few seconds later um when eddie goes outside to leave we see um the uh ostriches like the ostrich ballerinas and the hippopotamus ballerina from that one sequence in fantasia which i just watched recently um (laughs) that's probably my favorite part of that whole movie so um it's it's fun it was fun to see them in this oh and we see mickey or is it just the brooms that we see it's it's just the brooms but while they're doing their little cleanup you actually get the music from the sorcerer's apprentice playing in the background yeah it's fun to see um like i feel like you have to watch this so many times to catch every little Mm -hmm. like joke and cameo that happens in the background yeah, and as many times as I've seen this, every time that I watch it, I see something that I hadn't seen. Yeah. Like, for example, the movie that Disney is trying to wipe from existence in their records, Song of the South, can't be done because Br'er Bear is actually walking around in the background of this scene. And he's like one of the main characters in Song of the South, so the only way that Disney is going to ever get rid of this is to edit him out of the film and i'm not telling them to do that because i mean (sighs) growing living about 20 miles away from the uncle remus um museum can't just wipe things from existence just because it makes some people uneasy and if you want to know what the original co-host and i thought about it you can go and listen to our um episode our episode reviews of all the movies that are actually getting talked about in this fantasia song of the south they are all in our archive so you can see what we thought about them and why we feel that it doesn't need to be and i'm gonna hop off i'm gonna hop off my soapbox before i start preaching (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, like, I've never seen Song of the South, although I'm familiar with the controversy and um, all reserve. I I guess I feel like I'm not qualified to say anything because I haven't seen it. But um, as you were talking, I was just thinking, I mean, they put a lot of content warnings on things Mm -hmm. that sometimes I've been surprised are still on Disney+. Plus. Um, so you would think that they would do that, but, oh, well, this is a Roger Rabbit podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me back into what we are actually talking about. 
So this is Hollywood, Hollywood land, maybe. I don't. Did, did we actually see the Hollywood sign in this movie? I can't remember. Or the Hollywood land sign? I don't think so. If we did, I didn't notice or write it down. Okay. And, and, I, and I didn't either, but in the synopsis it says it's Hollywood 1947. So Eddie hops on the back of a trolley car. For the world's best transportation system. And another throwaway line is that this is the world's best transportation system. And then the next thing that you see is that they have been bought by Cloverleaf. And we'll get into what Cloverleaf stands for at a, at a different time. But um, Mr. Acme, who is the other owner of the um, studio is stepping out with Roger Rabbit's girl and they go to the paint and ink club and the entrance or the password is Walt sent me. I mean, there are so many throwaway lines and throwaway characters in this movie that it's like you said, you have to watch it again and again and again to get everything that you've missed. Yeah. And so he goes in and we see the penguins from Mary Poppins actually working as waiters and waitresses for the um, Paint and Ink Club, which is a cartoon um, club. And we get introduced to Donald and Daffy Duck playing dueling pianos with various escalating fireworks and cannons and none such. And it just it made me happy because it. It harkens back to a time where you didn't shy away from violence on TV. <laughs> Even if it was off screen and no one actually died from it. So, but yeah, It's fun to see Donald Duck fire a cannon at Daffy Duck. Yeah. But we find out that Jessica Rabbit is not a rabbit. She is a very well-drawn character, shall we say. <laughs> And we can see yeah. why Mr. Acme is taken with her. And Eddie's taking pictures, which he then shows to Roger, who says that he was going to make um, Jessica happy. And he spells happy, H-A-P-P-I. And then somehow Mr. Acme ends up dead. And the his will was supposed to give the Toontown to the Toons and they end up finding his body was it actually in Acme? Um in the Acme Corporation? Next to the bear traps? Um or... I don't I don't remember. Um I just know that everyone is like looking for his will. Mm-hmm. Um because like you said, he was supposed to leave Toontown to the Toons. Um, but if... I don't, I don't remember exactly how they explain it. But basically, if they don't find it, um, Cloverleaf wants it. And then, um, well, the rest is revealed later. Yeah. But they just really want to um, find that so they can secure... The Toons can secure ownership of their home. Yeah, and so we get some throwaway gags, like shoes jumping out of crates and things like that. 
And then we get introduced to the villain, Judge Doom, played by the inimitable Christopher Lloyd. And every time that I saw him for the... Every time that he pops on screen, I want to geek out because he's one of my favorite characters. One of my favorite character actors of all time. Yeah, and he's it's, great. No, he's... I don't think he's played bad guys that often, but the way the way that he channeled his inner villain in this movie just made me so happy, and this is where the world's youngest podcast host started tuning in because he wanted to actually find out what was happening with this movie. Yeah. And so he has created a substance called Dip, which is a mixture of turpentine, acetone, and benzene, which are all paint thinners or removers or whatever. And it can just eliminate a tune from existence. And so Eddie goes back to his apartment slash... Um, his office. He's yes. like living out of his office somehow. Um I can't remember the baby's name, but it's the baby that we saw in the beginning of the movie, except it's like, because they're tunes and they don't age, it's a baby that has the personality of, um, like, a grouchy, like, 50-year-old man. Mm-hmm. I think at some point he says 50 years old or something. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, and he's there to, like, tip him off, I think, or give him, not a not a tip, really, but I think he's trying to help clear Roger Rabbit's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he goes in and finds Roger in his bed, and he's like, Eddie, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta protect me, because they're out to kill me, they want me dead, and Eddie's not feeling it because of what happened to his brother, but somehow he cuffs himself to him, and then they have to figure out a way to get out of the handcuffs. And so they go down to Eddie's ex-girlfriend, current girlfriend, former girlfriend's bar. And we hear another throwaway line. Is that a rabbit in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? And the two of them go and start trying to get the handcuffs off him. And, of course, with Roger being attuned, he slips out of the handcuffs and tries to help Eddie. And then he slips back in. And it's actually a pretty funny little gag there. Yeah, I love that. And he's like, come on, Eddie, where's your sense of humor? Yeah. And we hear we hear Roger talking about his Uncle Thumper. Which you can only assume is a Bambi reference. And so Eddie leaves Roger there at the um, at the bar to try to scope out what's going on. And he goes back and there is Jessica, who we find out was not bad. She's just drawn that way. And this is actually one of the controversies with this movie because apparently there was a frame of her naked if you frame-by-framed it, as teens did in the late 80s, early 90s on VHS. Huh. I've never heard that. This is news to me. (laughs) And so Dolores, who is the lady that ran the bar, 
she comes up and she catches Eddie with his pants down, literally. And it's because he's going to take the case and help to prove that Roger wasn't guilty of it. And Jessica walks out and then we see her spying in her long, yellow, beautiful car as Dolores and him walk walk out of his um, office. And they go back across the street to the bar, and Doom has somehow figured out that this is where Roger is holed up. And he offers a reward to the people that can tell him where to find Roger. And we think that there's going to be a problem because one guy starts telling him, well, I, I know where a rabbit is. And come to find out he's talking about um, Jimmy Stewart's invisible rabbit, Harvey, which was another good throw, throw, throwback line. And so we, we keep on going and we meet up with Benny the taxi cab, who I would not get into that cab to go anywhere with. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but they end up holding up in the one place that they know that Doom will not come, which is a cartoon show, and we actually get to watch Goofy and Goofy Gymnastics doing crazy Goofy things. Um, yeah, that's, I actually love that short. I love all the Goofy shorts, um, where he, the, like, there's one where he does gymnastics. He plays football. He, there, I think there's a couple different basketball ones. Um, there's the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all just so good. And so um, I, I forgot that that was there. So I was so happy to see it. It made me want to stop the movie and just go find all of those and watch them. <laughs> and so Eddie, Dolores, and Roger are upstairs in the balcony watching this this movie. And this is where I noticed that Eddie always has a bottle of hooch in his gun holster. Yeah. He doesn't have an actual gun. He just has a, a flask of whatever Mad Dog 2020 or whatever they were drinking back in 1947. And so Eddie goes and he's trying to talk to, um, yeah, what's, what's the guy's name? Brain Maroon. And he tells Roger to stand guard, and Roger says, well, nobody gets the jump on Roger. No sooner has he said that than somebody clangs him on the head with a frying pan and throws him in the back of Eddie's car. And we actually see X's on Roger's eyes, which is classic tune. And so Maroon and Eddie start talking, and they get into a little bit of a fight, and... Eddie ends up using a seltzer water bottle, and Maroon gets shot up real good for his troubles with a long, long, long barreled gun. And then he looks down just in time to see Jessica take off in his car. Yeah, I forgot about um, the shooting scene. It is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um because then we like we see Maroon's body. Um, like I mean, you see like the bullets like hitting them like the kind of like it's not like gory and there's not a lot of blood but like i mean you know what's happening mm-hmm. um but then you see him like hanging from like i don't know a record player or maybe a little bar thing i don't remember like oh no it was the like a shredder maybe his tie was stuck in something yeah um 
And he's like just hanging there, like dead. It was I didn't that always kind of freaked me out as a kid. Um, so I forgot about this part until I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, it looks it sure looks like Jessica Rabbit had something to do with it. And so he is in pursuit and has to follow her into Toontown. Yeah, and the tunnel from Toontown looks a lot like the tunnel from Back to the Future 2, where Marty and Biff are fighting over the copy of Grey's Sports Almanac, and Doc drops down the um, the cord, and Marty jumps, and Biff runs into the manure truck, but this is not the Back to the Future podcast. That would be a great episode, but unfortunately <laughs> it is not a Disney movie. And so... He comes in, and suddenly it's daytime, and there is an accident involving Eddie's car and an Acme overused Gags truck, which I laughed at. And so Eddie goes up the... Eddie gets in the um, elevator, which is being run by Droopy the Dog, another of my favorite characters. And this is actually one that I would love to watch over and over to see what I could actually see because I always notice that there is a Wile E. Coyote and a Roadrunner silhouette on the mm-hmm. elevator um, at the different floors. And they aren't on the same floor. They're like two floors apart. And so he opens up the door and thinks he has found Jessica Rabbit, but it is not Jessica Rabbit. It is... I don't even know what the lady's name is, but she chases she chases him into a dead end, which would have been a bathroom, but they forgot to build that part of the um, hotel, I guess. And he falls down and runs into Tweety Bird, who is a conniving, angry little bird. Who he is there we go? There's there's the right word for him. <laughs> who unpeels his fingers and he runs out of pities as he so eloquently puts it and this is where we get both Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse talking to Eddie and they both have um, parachutes and Eddie sees that Mickey has a spare and asks for it and it ends up being a spare tire and he splats on the ground and so they end up going down Gingerbread Lane Oh, can I just pause for a second? So the fake Jessica Rabbit's name is Lena Hyena. Okay. Um, He she catches him when he falls, actually, and um, it just starts her chasing him all over again. A really funny uh, scene where he picks up the line in the middle of the street and tears it, and then directs it into a building and she splats into the building so stupid but still very satisfying for some reason yeah and so from there we have our little chase scene and they end up going into i think they end up going back into the acme building where one of the weasels ends up getting a booby trap in Jessica's dress because they're trying to frisk her. Yeah, that was a little too on the nose, but it, I mean, it is kind of funny. And so it's at this point in time that we end up finding out that Doom is the brains behind Cloverleaf. 
and he wants to put in what is called a freeway, and he has this great maniacal plan that ultimately has come true in the present, and we just, we continue on, and um, we find out that Eddie has to fight with laughter and not with actual bullets and guns, and that goes over like a ton of bricks, and they end up tying Jessica and Roger to a pulley with escape-proof tune rope, and Eddie ends up having to kill all the weasels because they all die laughing. Yeah, they're about to get, like, somehow they have the, like, huge thing of dip, like, connected to, like, a fire hose. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gonna just, like, blast it all over town, I guess. Um, Doom, he is going to blast it all over town. And then, yeah, like, he has to fight them by making them laugh to death. Um, and, like, it works. His little performance is kind of fun. He has, like, a little song. Um, but then, the like, there's, like, spirits leave their bodies or, like, turn into ghosts or whatever. And those little ghosts are so mischievous um, that, like, one of them flips the switch back on the, like, dip blaster. Mm-hmm. And so, after all the weasels end up dying, it's down to just Doom and Eddie. And this is where we actually get one of the greatest reveals on a villain. Because Doom gets run over by a steamroller. And then the next thing that you see is he stands up and he goes over and pumps himself back up with a helium tank. And mm-hmm. you see that he has been the tune all along that has killed Eddie's brother. And so he ends up getting melted by the dip. And the dip truck runs through the wall into Toontown and gets run over by a um, a train. And this is where we get the other big reveal that Acme had actually written his will on the back of Eddie or on the back of Roger's love letter in invisible ink. And all the millions of tunes from Toontown come out and we get a lot of little cameos and they all just walk in and that's the end of the movie. And Porky Pig comes up with his catchphrase. The yeah. end. Um, so in that last like sequence, when we get the reveal um, that Doom is a tune, actually. And not only that, the tune that killed Eddie's brother. He is so scary. <laughs> um, I remember that I had read that um, like a number of actors were considered for this role. Um <laughs> And uh, Tim Curry had auditioned, and he didn't get it because he was too scary. And I just think, like, Christopher Lloyd is pretty scary in this movie. And then when you get the tune reveal, and he has, like, glowing red animated eyes. I know I've mentioned before that glowing red eyes terrify me. 
Um, even if it's like in a silly movie like this, it, he is so scary. I just think I can't imagine. Like they can't remake this movie, but if they did, I wish that they could have Tim Curry, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I would like to see how scary he would be. I just can't imagine. Yeah, that that would be interesting, but. And actually, I think Tim Curry was just coming off of making it at this point in time, so he was a very scary um, person at this point in time. Um, but honestly, having watched it as many times as I have, I couldn't see anybody else other than Christopher Lloyd in this in this yeah. part. Yeah, that makes sense. So, did I miss anything on our redo since we did? Um. <clears throat> I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, um... Notes from this watch, I think, because, um, like I said, I had struggled to kind of engage when I rewatched it, but also at some point I think I was um, just like, I'm just going to watch this to enjoy it as much as mm-hmm. I can, and I just stopped taking notes. Yeah, I was, I was trying to stay <laughs> engaged in this, because I knew that I needed to take notes on it, but I kept finding myself just falling into just sitting there and enjoying it, watching it with the world's youngest podcast host. Because he, he'd never seen it before, and I feel like he enjoyed it, and he would probably watch it a couple of times with me. And we may end up putting it into our rotation for Fathers with um, Superman now. Oh, I don't that's know. fun. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our three questions. First of all, what is today's impact on this movie? I mean, it, trying to think, because this is, this is one of those movies that I fanboy for every time that I watch it. So I don't think I can be objective with this one. Right. Well, I mean, they, I don't see that they could remake this but i guess like if we're just imagining that they were talking about it uh they would need to diversify the cast of human characters um i'm sure there would be some additions or changes to some of the animated characters and um maybe some of the little gags and jokes that maybe didn't age well although i can't think of anything specific that stood out Mm -hmm. uh um yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I say this, like, every time. Like, oh, technology. They'd have to change this and that. But it's so clearly, like, a period piece. And you, mm-hmm. because of, like, the time that it takes place where you're at the, like, beginning of all these animation studios, like, about to explode if they haven't already, you really can't change the, the setting as far as time. So I don't, besides that, I don't know if you really would have mm-hmm. much of an impact. Looking because I didn't even know there was originally supposed to be a sequel to this. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, called Who a... Di- called Who Discovered Roger Rabbit. Oh, with, like a like a prequel or something. With Steven Spielberg, but <clears throat> he left the project when he decided that he could not satirize Nazis after directing Schindler's List. Mm. So um, I feel like this is. One of those movies that doesn't, it doesn't need a sequel or a prequel. It's like Mm -hmm. almost a perfect movie. Like Princess Bride, you wouldn't 
you wouldn't want a sequel or a remake or a prequel mm-hmm. or anything like that. Although Dread Pirate Roberts movie might be good. This isn't a Princess Bride podcast. <laughs> um, but we but will like, be covering that one fairly soon. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I can't imagine any additions to this could make it better because even if it's not my favorite, I can appreciate it for what it is. And it's a very good movie. The story almost perfect. It's just, I, it's one that I would hope that they don't mess with. Um, second question, is this movie mirrored in culture? I mean, that's kind of hard to answer because, like you said, it's a period piece. So it's set in the 40s. This is, this is another one of those movies where you, I mean, I don't, now I'm going to kind of age myself. I can't think of very many people my age that don't know about this movie. And it may just be the fact that this is one that both of us grew up with. And I could sit down and watch it any day, any time. It doesn't matter if the Super Bowl's on. If I see um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I might flip over and find out where it is for a movie. Um, it's, I mean, the the fact that the whole premise of why Doom was doing everything was so that way he could have people drive by this town and not look at it again, that's something that actually got brought up in, I want to say, Car. Because that's why Radiator Gulch pretty much ceased to be. And I know I'm going far afield with this, but... No, I know what you mean. Um, it that aspect of the plot, like it serves to build the world out a little bit too, because it makes it feel real. Because mm-hmm. um, that was, like you said, really something that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's sad when you think about little towns, and I mean not not so little towns. It just dried up because nobody pulled in to stop and get a bite to eat. Instead, they had um, they had the ability to go to a fast food restaurant and get a burger instead of sitting down at a diner. And so, I mean, it's, it's mirrored in culture because of what has happened. And it's sad because it's what was quote-unquote predicted by Doom. <sighs> Completely brought this to a crashing software. <laughs> Well, I mean, this film was made in the 80s, so all of these things had already yeah. to pass. So, um, aside from that, it has, like, how could you say it, it wasn't mirrored in culture when you consider um, that it has, like, all the heavy hitters of animation mm-hmm. up, up through 19, or no, well, because the film takes place in the 40s, like, but. They're those enduring characters that everyone recognizes. Even my 13-year-old knows who Betty Boop is, and there hasn't been anything new about that character or with that character in how long? So, I mean, they're everywhere. You yeah. can't escape it. So, we can both say that this fits into it, and there's the question that I can't rewrite because I don't know how to actually say it. It fits into in, take three. It fits into society because you. I mean, 
if you were to stop the movie when you have all the tunes actually come out of Toontown, you could probably sit there for hours and just say, oh, well, there's that character that was in this movie. And, I mean, you you can't not see the movie and not see characters that you'd recognize, even though you might not recognize where you're knowing them from. But you've seen them well enough to know, well, there's that and that and... The fact that the very end is Porky Pig saying, that's all, folks. And, I mean, it's th- this This is one of those movies that you can't watch and not see things that you've seen, but you don't know where you've seen them before, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, I will say, I, I wondered, so I looked it up. Um, it was preserved in the National Film Registry. And hmm. it was selected for, for preservation in 2016. Um, and I forgot about this. I'm sure it will be on this podcast eventually. Um, but the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie that came out um, like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, mirrors this in, like in so many ways. Um, I loved that movie. It was silly. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Had it had live action mixed with animation and like a huge variety of characters, mm-hmm. not only from Disney. So um, different story, same feel. It, not really a sequel, but I could like it's it's like this movie's like cute little brother or something. <laughs> and um, the fact that. I, I don't remember what the reviews were for that. It was like just on Disney Plus, I think. But um, the fact that it got made and that people liked it, I think, speaks to um, the relevance of this movie still today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made any sense. I feel like I'm yeah. rambling. Um, I just had forgotten about that movie and was like, oh, yeah, that's. Uh, is very similar. It has a lot of similarities. It worked for a reason. <clears throat> so this book, or yeah, this movie, as most Disney movies are, is actually based on a book. It is Who Censored Roger Rabbit. I actually think I'm going to try to get that book and add it to my stack of seven bookshelves to read. <laughs> but it might actually be up towards the top of the of the pack kind of like um what was that what was that other one that i actually did a book review on oh gosh i can see that at the top of the world or yeah i could like envision the the movie but i couldn't think of it Mm -hmm. so like i said i'm I'm going to try to get that book because i've got a gift card to a bookstore that's burning a hole in my pocket not like i need any more books (laughs) but um, I'm going to probably talk to them tomorrow about possibly getting it. And when I do, I will report back whether it is the same or if it's different or if it's better or whatever. Um, now moving on to something that is totally not live action and animated. Our next movie, for those of you following along at home, is going to be Turner and Hooch. So we are moving on to 1989. This is another Touchstone film. This is the one that has Tom Hanks, not the remake with whoever the Disney person was of the of the month. And let me actually pull it up. 
so that way y'all can know which one I'm talking about. Bear with me. Once again, great. Uh, where is that? Now I'm not seeing it. Oh yeah, it, actually it was a um, it was a TV show. Turner and Hooch was actually a TV show on Disney Plus. So we are definitely not talking about that one. We are talking about 1989, Tom Hanks with a slobbering dog who is adorable. And that will be next week's um, movie to talk about. If this is your first episode, welcome to the show. We're glad you found us on a good movie. Tell us what you thought about this movie. You can write us at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. You can also rate us, review us, tell your neighbors, tell your friends. Tell that stranger that you're sitting next to on the trolley car in Los Angeles about us. And until we speak again, it's our job to tell you to stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for that dip. We'll talk There's to you next so week. Gags. Oh, sorry. There are so many gags in this movie that it's like, how do you choose where to go with that? <laughs> That's why I went with the easiest one. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. what this duck is saying. <laughs> <laughs>